There are two things we know. One, American democracy is in real danger. Two, in November 2022, about eight months from now, the Democrats need to win races at every level of government and hold on to or prefer- preferably increase its razor-thin margins in the House and Senate. There's one very important thing, however, that we don't know. How the hell are we going to make sure that the second thing happens? So welcome to the very first strategy session, a brand new episode of The Mary Trump Show, where every Tuesday night, my guests and I are going to try to figure out how to make that second thing happen. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Hi there. What a joy to be with you, Mary. Uh, always is. But to do it with you and Kavita, I mean, what could be better than that? Thanks. Same here. Thanks, Norm. I appreciate David, it. David, oh, David. I, was, I was about to Even say David. Even better. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> so for those of us, those of our friends on the specific side of the country, good afternoon. Um, it is so great to have you guys here. Um, but American democracy is on a knife's edge. I think we can all agree. And it feels like the Democratic Party is engaged in asymmetrical warfare. Um, so given the dire straits we're in, I, I literally can't think of, be- of a better group of people to kick things off. Uh, first, because I, I value your insights so much, uh, but also because Kavita, Norm, David, you are three of the people on this planet I most respect. Um, Norm, I know we're pressed for time or you're pressed for time. So I'd like to start with you. Um, the four of us had, uh, a conversation on deep state radio. And when I was thinking about it, I, I thought it was like 74 years ago. <laughs> it turns out it was last September, not September, 2020, but September, 2021. Um, so about eight months ago. If I remember correctly, we were all pretty despondent. So before we get into what's at stake, what we're going to do about it, I'd like to get your assessment of whether you think things are better, worse, or about the same than they were the last time we all got to speak. So uh, I would say objectively, there are many things that are better. We have an economy that on, in many respects, most respects, is doing extraordinarily well with growth, with um, uh, unemployment at a 40-year low, um, with a job market that means we're going to get increased wages. We have, uh, I think, a president who's just done a masterful job as best uh, as anybody possibly could in pulling our allies together to deal with uh, war criminals like uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, And it was not at all uh, easy to be able to do that. Um, But it's worse, is the bottom line reality. The bottom line reality here is you're right about asymmetric warfare, but it's really, uh, you know, to put it into the right context, it's Democrats who are not fighting back at this point. And what concerns me the most about the elections coming up in November 
uh, is the Republican base is charged up because this is a party that has learned over decades to play the victimization uh, uh, game over and over again. And they've convinced uh, their followers that they're the victims of this society, uh, not the perpetrators. And that means they're excited about getting rid of the enemy. And keep in mind that Rick Scott, a uh, leader in the Republican Party in the Senate, has now been talking about the enemy within. They're using that language directly. Democrats are disillusioned and don't see a party fighting back against this stuff. And I'll tell you, Mary, when I watched the Senate hearings uh, on Judge Jackson, uh, to see the slime thrown at this woman by the likes of Lindsey Graham and Tom Cotton and, uh, and the other uh, just horrible people uh, on that stage, Josh Hawley uh, and uh, Marsha Blackburn, and the best the Democrats could do was an eloquent, positive statement by Cory Booker uh, throwing out love. And nobody said, you racists are awful. And it's no wonder under those circumstances that Biden's approval is in the dumpster because the base just doesn't feel as if they've got a party that's fighting for them and fighting against evil people who are going to take away the rights of women, who are attacking the LGBTQ community in a frontal way, a Supreme Court that is using the shadow docket as much as it can to avoid responsibility for blowing up rights, including more and more the elements of the Voting Rights Act, and of course, voting rights being uh, hit over and over again in the states. So I don't feel uh, in a very good mood these days. <laughs> Kavita, um, I'm right there with you, Norm. Uh, but hopefully we're going to come up with something because eight months is a long time to feel like this, but also like things are getting worse. Uh, Kavita, I remember... <laughs> the last time we were all uh, on David show, he threw, threw it to you and he said, Kavita, you're usually the person who tries to put a good spin on things. And you said, I can't. So that was sobering. Um, and since um, I, I agree with Norm, I think things are worse now and the ways in which they're better aren't getting through which is something we desperately need to figure out. Uh, the Democrats, I'm getting, I'm really tired of the analogy. They're bringing a cotton swab to a, you know, howitzer fight or whatever. Uh, they are deliberately fighting with one tie, uh, hand tied behind their backs and letting the media tie the other one behind their backs. So considering that it, this isn't just, uh, you know, uh, what's been happening since Biden came into office, you could argue that this is a cumulative despair um, that's been going on since March 2020 or November 2016, depending on your politics. So we're going to get to the Democratic Party in a minute. But in terms of the other entities that seem to be... Um, putting the Democrats at a disadvantage, and it seems like a structural disadvantage. 
how serious do you think that problem is and how likely is it that Democrats can somehow circumvent those seeming disadvantages? Look, I'll, Mary, first of all, it's uh, so so great to be on. And so I my role from the specific coast where I trained and did my medical education is to try to bring a little bit of that Southern California sunshine at times. And uh, so I'm going to do this because I was thinking about today. I wanted you're talking about a broad range of that asymmetry. And actually, the four of us have had offline communities, conversations and communities and Twitter where we've said like this, something has to stop and there needs to be something that's so bold. But I've, I've decided we're, we're going to have to look for things in ways and, and not borrow from their playbook because their playbook is flawed and it's just deeply disturbing. I think we actually have to really come around with what our playbook is. And our playbook is the very values that at least why I'm a Democrat and why I always have been, why I worked for Ted Kennedy, because he fought for minimum wage on the Senate floor. The Senate used to be considered the upper chamber. We were considered, quote unquote, whether they want to admit it or not, better than the House. The House had, you know, 400 some odd members. The Senate was a club and only had 100. And we've already seen the destruction of that notion. But the bigger problem is that, you know, I think Biden's learning. He's incredible. I think that it's the president we needed for the moment our country was in. But to your point on domestic policies, I think this administration is putting things out. They're not getting through to the public because in previous administrations, we could just kind of say, here's this amazing, you know, regulatory change. It's going to add dollars for SNAP benefits or for benefits that will help people who are uninsured. Here's the, Amer- you know, Affordable Care Act. Obama came back today to the White House. It was quite interesting that this was one of the first things they brought him back for to talk about how they've strengthened the ACA. So we keep doing this and we keep going, I mean, you know, why don't people get it? And we need to kind of flip that on its head and really understand, like we were joking about it on Deep State on another episode. And I I almost, you know, through the pod microphone got like trash thrown at me that I still think Americans wrong or right are connecting high gas prices with Joe Biden And that's because something the four of us have talked about online and offline, this campaign of misinformation. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that we are making progress in the things that matter. Policies are coming out. There are every single day, I do think that the government, as well as anyone that the government can touch, are actually trying to make the world a better place. And when I get dark, Mary and David's going to hear me say something positive. When I get really dark, I really do think, what would it have been like if Donald Trump, you know, it wasn't some big margin. It was, it was unfortunate that it was not a big margin when it comes down to it. What would life be like today if he were still president? I know that haunts all of us. So that's when I start to see the sunlight. And I will say we've made progress, even though, so Americans were quick to kind of look at anything that Harris was doing, you know, she was ineffective at this. For the love of God, we've actually got like a competent White House and maybe every single thing they've done hasn't been a home run, but Good God, what was the alternative and are we better? But I do think we need to take some, we need to put our own playbook together. Mm. We need to, whether it's, you know, (laughs) bringing a cotton swab, whatever the analogy is, I do think we need to be more coordinated. Democrats have done a terrible job. All we do is pick each other apart. And what you see on the Republican side, you think Marco Rubio, Mitt Romney, you think, I mean, when we know how Mitt Romney feels, but you think any of these Republicans actually want to kind of converge onto the, Jim Jordan, Marjorie Taylor Greene platform? No, but they see power and they see money. Right. 
we need to see value and we need to come together on that. So I'm actually going to say that I'm optimistic just because of what we're not able to communicate effectively, but it, it exists and it's foundational. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I do want to um, expand on uh, why we're here a little bit more. Uh, Kavita emailed uh, the, the other three of us and basically laid out what she just said. Um, we're, it feels like we're all spinning our wheels. We're all screaming into a void because there is no coordinated response. And uh, David, I've heard you say this too. Um, I don't, I do not go out of my way to criticize the Biden administration on policy because, as you say, Kavita, imagine if Joe Biden weren't president right now. However, when it comes to politics, when it comes to strategy, when it comes to making sure that this country does not devolve into a, an autocracy or a fascist state, which is very possible, I can't even believe I'm saying that, um, I think we do need to raise our voices and engage in constructive criticism, but it also requires banding together amplifying each other's voices when we can and making sure we're all on the same page. We're all one issue voters. We're all voting for democracy this September. But David, it, it, it feels in some ways like for the Democrats, it's a characterological issue. I don't understand why um, they don't seem capable of tapping into what in my view is righteous anger. Our country is being taken from us. We have spent the last five years have been a nightmare. Um, most of the horrible things that have happened have been malicious and willful, uh, lit deliberately done by the last administration. And yet, you know, as you say, we get, we get white papers. <laughs> so, we obviously we don't want to be like Republicans, but that doesn't mean we can't be passionate and and no. put f our feelings first because there is so much that we need to be fighting for. Let me say a couple of things that pick up on what Norm and Kavita and you have said. One is uh, this hasn't been going on for five years. This has been going on for forty years, at least forty years. Yeah, yeah. Um, because. When the Reagan administration began, um, and, and it was picking up on some trends before, to start driving the wedge between the top of our population and the rest and driving inequality um, for a whole host of reasons, none of which were wholesome. Uh, and following that, we began the development of these alternative information universes, these two ecosystems that exist for the right, for the left. So over the course of 40 years, polarization took place, but not just polarization, but isolation of the two populations from each other. They have alternative facts. Um, and that, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's a bad mistake to associate it with just the past five years because mm -hmm. it's taken a long time to get here. These trends are deeply ingrained. You yeah. can go back um, to the 90s and to Newt Gingrich. Mm -hmm. You can go to Tom DeLay. You can go to the rise of the um, uh, Tea Party, which, you know, we we got to have a little nostalgia about that this week when Sarah Palin decided she was going to run for Congress. Um, and all of these things, all of these things have led us to where we are. The second point that I'd like to make picking up on this, 
um, is uh, that, you know, I don't think um, we're better off today than we were when we had this conversation. I think we're worse off today than we had this conversation. Um, and, and part of it is because in the course of the intervening period, there have been no consequences for the people who undertook the coup against the United States government. There have been no consequences for Donald Trump and for the people in his administration who obstructed justice, who sought to put themselves above the law. Um, and um, not only have there been no consequences, but people in the Republican Party who have embraced that, people in the Republican Party who have embraced Vladimir Putin, who is a man committing serial war crimes on global television on a regular basis, they've actually been rewarded. They've done better in polls. They're gaining ground within the U.S. And so now we're a few months away from an election. And whatever we may talk about here, there is no sign that the Democratic Party is about to adopt something new. There's no sign that the, the red flashing lights. And if the, the poll estimates you know, prove out true, and Norm knows this better than anybody, but if they prove out true and the Republicans pick up 30, 40, 50 seats in the House, this president's going to get impeached. Mm -hmm. Members of his cabinet are going to get impeached. There is going to be a process in the House that tries to reverse what is going on in the, um, you know, the Democratic-controlled Congress. January 6th commission will end on a dime. Um, and, uh, you know, in the Senate, you know, we've heard already this week from uh, uh, um, uh, McConnell and Graham and company, and they said, we're not going to confirm anybody that, that, that Joe Biden's. So, you know, we would be in two years of real help. Final quick point, and this perhaps will be the window to the rest of the conversation, is what can one do practically about it? And the first thing to remember is it's not a national election. It's a series of local elections. Right. And as Nancy Pelosi was extremely right to point out in 2018, that's how you've got a campaign. Because district by district, the issues are, are somewhat different. Um, and the second thing is we need better spokespeople. Uh, I'm going to say something that is absolute sacrilege in, in the Democratic Party. I, and I will probably get thrown off of your show right now and and besieged on Twitter. I can't wait. But Mich but Michelle Obama is wrong about when they go low. Oh. Oh. We also have to go low. Um, you know, we have to hit them back. If they are racist, you have to call them racist. If they're trying mm -hmm. to destroy the Constitution, you have to say they're trying to destroy the Constitution. If they're criminals, if they support Vladimir Putin, you have to say it. If they're yeah. lying, you have to say that they're lying. If they're yes. Marjorie Taylor Greene, then you have to say they're a fucking idiot because they <laughs> also are. happens to be a fascist. Yeah, right. right. Well, OK, a fucking idiot fascist. <laughs> but the point is, you have to say it like it is. Um, or we're not going to now. Is there a democratic alternative to that? Yes. Uh, you know, our policies have created more jobs in the first year of the Biden administration than in any first year of any administration ever in history. Unemployment is a new low. U.S. standing in the world is higher. 
more judges have been appointed in the first year than any administration. It's the most mm -hmm. diverse administration in history. Um, yeah. Executive orders undid what happened during the Trump. We can go on and on and on. There's a lot we can say and we can make it local right? so that it counts. But we can't, as you pointed out, and this is where I'll wrap up, you can't come to a gunfight and wave a white paper. You can't say, here's our 32-point plan to improve hearing benefits for Americans right. and think that that's going to be a perfect response to the Republicans saying, you're a socialist who is trying to turn my child gay, right? You know, because that is not, you know, that's... Yeah, I blame Disney, but yes. Yeah. Um, yeah so exactly. I just want, I want to um, touch on a couple of those points and then pivot to you, Norm. First of all, when I when I referenced the five years, I just meant it's been, in particular, the accumulation of despair and hopelessness, mostly because of COVID, but also because of just how horrible the Trump administration was. I'm not at all saying that it started with them. Um, Donald is a symptom of a, a long, uh, of a disease that's been at work for a long time. I would argue you can go back to what Nixon got away with Vietnam before the 68 election, and certainly with his pardoning by uh, Gerald Ford. Um, the other thing, I absolutely agree with you, but I wouldn't say they go low, we go low. I didn't realize that going high meant being a doormat. I thought it meant getting your brass knuckles and fighting for everything they're not, right? With, with the fury, the righteous fury that we should all have because of the horrible things they are doing to us our families, our neighbors, our friends. So I, I'm, I wish she hadn't said it because I think it got misinterpreted. But um, as far as I'm concerned, going high just means don't be a cheater, a liar, and uh, don't be somebody who steals things, but fight like everybody's lives depend upon it because they do. So Norm, we, we kind of have a clear consensus that things are worse now. And I would argue, and I think David said, part of that is because a lot of things are so much better, but it's not getting through anybody. Yeah. So we're seeing these abysmal approval ratings, which make no sense at all. Um, I think part of that is also because the Biden administration has been treated like a normal administration that followed another normal administration when nothing could be further from the truth. So it's not just that Biden and his administration have done these extraordinary things. They've done it in the context of these horrors that they inherited. Now, all of that having been said, because I know you've got to get going, what, and and I think we all know, but I, I, part of this is to help people very in a very clear way, understand what is at stake. Because this next election, it's not about inflation. It's not about taxes. It's not about, honestly, uh, in some ways, it's, it's not about anything except that one thing, which is, do you want a country that is in which, theoretically at least, all people are treated equally and everybody has the right to vote, and everybody has the right to have their vote counted? or not. So uh, let me step back first and make a couple of larger points. One, I want to follow on what David said and say this, that if we had been together at uh, the Biden inaugural and had said uh, a year plus into this administration with a 50-50 Senate and a three vote margin in the House, we would get $3 trillion out there 
in aid for people to get past COVID and uh, restore their lives and rebuild American infrastructure. Uh, and we would expand the Affordable Care Act dramatically, and we would have more judges confirmed than ever before. People would have said, you're nuts. What are you smoking? Mm -hmm. uh, those things are not getting across. Now, in a, in a global sense, what we're seeing here is happening all around the world. And it's not just that Democrats aren't fighting back. That's a major part of it. Or framing what they've done in an appropriate way. I mean, I was very frustrated that for a year, the focus was build back better, which nobody understood, instead of, though every component of it is wildly popular in the country, and make the Republicans defend opposition to universal pre-K, child care, and all of these other elements, jobs programs, instead of them being able to say it's more big government and more uh, out of control spending. But what we're seeing is, whether it's Australia or France or Britain or all of those countries that make up the quote unquote West, there's a distemper out there, fatigue over COVID and lives being disrupted and all of that. In Australia, it's more likely to lead to a conventional outcome, the Labour Party perhaps recapturing power. In France, it could be the crazy right and it could be the fascist right and it could well happen in Germany and elsewhere. So we have to understand that larger context. But, you know, having said all of that, there are a couple of other things that the people listening need to be aware of. This isn't just about the House and Senate. David is absolutely right that if they win both houses, this country is going to have sheer hell for two years and probably more, and they will do more to undermine democracy than we can even possibly imagine. There are elections going on for secretaries of state and other election officials, and the crazy right is moving in to try and elect people whose goal is going to be to overturn legitimate elections. If Democrats win. Yeah. With school boards, they're trying to blow up public education, but take what's there and ban books and talking about slavery. Don't say gay. All of those things. We have to have an all-front uh, war here to try and recapture what's good about this country. And that means if you're giving money, find other races, not just those at the very top, although that's uh, very important. And at the same time, I've been so frustrated because the Democrats in the House and Senate have been treating this largely as if it were a typical two-year period. They're taking all their recesses. They're taking the weekends off. They're not holding the hearings that they need to hold. I'm pretty sure we're now finally going to get a hearing, maybe one each in the House and Senate, on why the Supreme Court doesn't have a code of ethics when you find Clarence Thomas over and over again violating every ethical standard, uh, especially when it comes to the actions taken by his wife. But that's just one example of where we need to have more uh, action taking place. And then a final point, which follows on what you said, Mary. Why are the Republicans not being held to account? It's partly that Democrats aren't holding them to account, but it's the, the press corps, the mainstream press corps, over and over again normalizes the abnormal. They shrug at things that happen out there. They let it go. Uh, they say, 
whenever crazy things are done or said that that's their strategy or they simply ignore it. You know, the other day we had Marjorie Taylor Greene basically accuse three Republican senators of supporting pedophilia. Nothing. Crickets. There's nothing said out there. We have outrageous things done. Today, Tom Cotton goes on the Senate floor and says there was an original Supreme Court Justice Jackson who went over to Nuremberg to try the Nazis. This Judge Jackson would be over there defending the Nazis. You cannot let things like that slide. My guess is it won't even be reported in the paper. We get an incredible 500,000 jobs nowhere on the front pages. So all of those things need to be pushed. And we have to hold reporters and editors to account just as much as we do the ones who are perpetrating these terrible things. I could not agree with you more, um, although I'm really, really angry right now. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm we so, need to be angry. Yeah, we, we do. Get other people angry. We do. Um, although in, in the context of uh, the problem could be identified, it feels very lonely and uh, ineffective um, and just exhausting, quite honestly. Um, so <sighs> part of what makes this experiment and norm if you have to go yeah okay thank you i so appreciate a little more i gotta leave in about three minutes okay um i just really appreciate appreciate your being here um i want to be back you will you don't have a choice sorry (laughs) (laughs) so um part of part of the problem uh is that we know i don't i don't mean to sound as arrogant as that probably made me sound but Everybody here knows what needs to be done in in one degree or another, right? We know what the Democrats should be doing. We know what the media should be doing. The problem comes in, though, uh, like I don't have any power over what the Democratic Party does or over what the media do. Um, I'm pretty sure none of you does either. So how do we find ways to break things down so people like us, people or people who, who, you know, don't have the luxury of paying as much attention, like if you could even call it a luxury at this point because it's so horrible, but paying attention to everything that's going on. How do we figure out ways to get people access to actionable items that one can help make them feel less helpless because of the, in large part, because the Democratic Party and the media and give them something to work towards that will make a difference. Uh, Kavita, sorry. Yeah, I've, so I've been thinking about this a lot ever since we've talked about it on podcasts. And I'll say this, Mary, I think you're doing what I hope all of us can kind of model because, and it's what David said, like we, we need to, you, I agree with the Michelle Obama interpretation that Mary had, but that's because I've got a soft spot for her. And I want to, to say that when she said we go high, it's, we call it out. But right. I think we have to start with actually standing up for ourselves and what we believe in. It's, it's, we've been too kind of, whether you're a man or a woman, young or old, I think that it's become kind of like, oh, it's just, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's just crazy. And we just dismiss it. And it's on the, it seems like it's all on the margins. And then you realize it's not on the margins. It's actually filtered in everywhere. 
So by standing up, you've done it, Mary. I know that it's not like you love, you know, being in the spotlight, but you've seen that if you stand up for yourself and your voice, then you're standing up for others and you're letting them do the same. So it sounds trite. This is what I do as a doctor. I try to make sure people like advocate for kind of advocate for themselves, even when I'm not listening as well as I should. I think people need to do that in all of these kind of sectors. I, I've, I've been in conversations where people are say, well, Biden had to put, you know, Judge Jackson, very qualified, very qualified. But let's be honest. I mean, he had to put a black woman up. And I've, I, I've stopped a step short and said, you know, and never really said, what does that even mean? Like, if you, right. if you actually like think that, then you're immediately undermining the very kind of fabric of why she is such an, a valuable addition and the hurdle she's going to continue to face. So I think that's just one very direct way. And then accessibility. I think all four of us, um, I would say, have been very effective in communications in different formats, different ways. I would challenge all four of us, part of why I wrote the email, what can we do so that we get out of kind of our Twitter silo and try to actually try to actually figure out how to be more effective on some of these issues that, like Norm said, people don't understand. Norm and I have kind of a side kind of hobby of trying to advocate for better mental health. You know, we've, we've seen our own challenges in trying to help schizophrenics, people with serious mental illness, people that society would love to put a label on and put in a box somewhere. And we've had to kind of explain, if you think that schizophrenia is rare, actually more common than you think, bipolar right. disorder, depression. So I think it's actually breaking these things down. And then here's the real radical thing that I'm going to suggest, because I've been doing it. And Mary, man, like you want to talk about getting my like, you know, stomach acid up. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm friends from grade school and high school with a lot of MAGA loving, Biden hating, let's go Brandon people. And I've actually always kind of avoided Facebook discussions, engaging with them, but I now am. And it's hard because I would love to have my MSNBC, Mary Trump, Norm Ornstein, David Rothkopf bubbles. I would love it. But I, it's what David said. We're just like all kind of from the Reagan era onward, we're just building ourselves into these silos. Yeah. So I'm infiltrating and, and I'm trying to say like, look, I'm a normal person. I don't want to spend all this money on milk, but do you actually understand how and when this started and trying to break it down? So, and then the fourth is if you have the means to support people who are running those local elections, those school boards, there's mm -hmm. a local one in my county showing up because most of those get kind of tossed over. And most people, when you're at the ballot are like, I don't know who John Q. Public is, whatever, actually like open up your local paper to that page and look and read about their position statements. Those are probably four things that each individual could manage to do and mm -hmm. it would actually make a difference. But, you know, yes, that's my, that's my prescription for today. Yeah. I mean, as for Twitter, Elon Musk might solve that problem for us oh, yeah. uh, by making us not want to be on Twitter anymore. <laughs> um, but, that, but that is David, part of the problem, the, the silos. I mean, honestly, for me, it's not about not wanting to engage people on the other side, although I don't really. Yeah. It's that I have no access to right. them. I don't, ha I don't have anybody left in my life uh, who voted for Donald uh, ever. Um, and I, I don't have access. Like, I can't get on a Fox News show um, 
not that I want to, not but that, I, I mean, not that you want to, but, right, right. but you know, if I could, then maybe I could speak truth for five seconds and then they'll cut me off. But you know, I don't have access. So, but it shouldn't be used individual, Mary. This is the point you could, but then we need to act like uh, any of us would swarm, not whether you're on Fox, who cares, but right. anything you're doing that takes a step uh, kind of into that like territory where you're calling it out, you're doing it. This is my point. We mm-hmm. need to activate. So it's the same network we activate as moms when we're angry about something in schools. You know, mm-hmm. man, we can ma- make stuff happen in minutes. We need to do the same for our people standing up for what they believe in. I don't think we do a good job of that. Sorry, you know, if, if I could sort no, of please. hop in on that. And I don't mean to be critical of what Kavita is doing because, you know, I've done a podcast with I'm her used for a long to it. Time. It's okay. I'm, it's boring know, if we agree all the time. Kavita is much smarter than me on all subjects. And I, you know, I, I acknowledge that. But, but I would say two things. One, you've got to do what is going to work. And we are not going to persuade the MAGA right to come to their senses. No, absolutely I agree. We, we have to focus our efforts on people who might vote for Democrats. And of the people who might vote for Democrats, it's not even independents I would focus on first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's young people who aren't going to vote, who not should first, vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is uh, African Americans and other people of color who are affected by um, uh, the right, uh, but who might not be able to turn out. Um, it is people who, you know, the, the majority. You know, th- think of how many more votes Joe Biden got than Donald Trump. Um, the majority of Americans on issue after issue after issue that the Democrats propose support those issues, whether it's gun control or the environment or education or health care or anything. Um, it's it's typically 66, 70 percent. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, why doesn't that translate into action at the polls? And the, and the reason is that half of Americans don't vote. And in midterm elections, fewer than that vote. And the ones who do vote are extremists like the extreme right. Mm-hmm. And we've got to figure out how to get young voters who are the least voting group out. We've got to figure out how to help people get to the polls. Um, And, you know, that is not a macro job. You know, Mm -hmm. people sitting at home listening to you talk or listening to us talk don't have to do that for America. They have to do it for one person. They have to do it for a neighbor. They have to do it for somebody down the street. Just like, as Kavita says, focus on the school board elections. Uh, Focus on on things where you can make a difference. It is creating an army of mobilized activists that is going to do the most. We are not going to change mainstream media. We're not going to make them do this right. We're not going to shame Republicans into denouncing their hypocrisy. They eat a big bowl of steaming hypocrisy for breakfast. They don't care. What we have to do is we have to focus on these areas. And the, the final thing that I would say in this regard, and this may go without saying, but you know, I was driving to Washington uh, this weekend uh, with my wife, and we were going down 95, and we were talking about some of this stuff. And I said, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm not sure how this story is going to turn out. I thought throughout my life 
that ultimately what was good about America would triumph over what was bad, that ultimately our institutions were resilient enough to deal with the threats that exist to them. Um, but I'm not sure that's true. I, you know, if the Republicans win and they start changing more laws in the direction which is anti-democratic that they're going um, in, in November and they win in 2024, there may be no going back to the democracy that we saw. There may be no voter access uh, for people of color or for poor people. There may be um, uh, no independent judiciary. There may be no debate about whether or not the president of the United States is above the law. It's the house is on fire and we need to treat it like the house is on fire. And that's why I think, you know, your initiative here is so important. Every single person who takes the time, devotes an hour to listening to you, has an hour a week that they can man a phone bank, knock on a door, contribute 10 bucks, help the woman next door go vote, um, you know, mobilize young people uh, and persuade them that, that now is the time or they will not grow up in a democracy. I I think that's absolutely true. If we I think if we lose in 2022 it's over. Um which is I I hope I'm wrong, obviously. And I'm not saying that cynically. Um I'm saying that having witnessed what you both witnessed just this this decades long onslaught um, against democracy in search of raw power, which was pushed into overdrive at, at certain uh, critical points. Uh, New Grit, whatever his name is, uh, being one of them. And uh, certainly um, Mitch McConnell's decision to stop pretending to be a senator uh, and just being a partisan hack. Um, so I... I agree with you that it all, both of you, that, that we need to approach this with specificity um, because we are not going to change the media. I do, however, or, you know, people who voted for Donald twice, it's just not happening. Um, we go after non-voters and absolutely young because the young, the Gen Z has so much at stake, it's not fair mm -hmm. what the burdens we've placed upon them, but it happens to be true. I think a lot of them do understand that more of them need to. Um, and instead of feeling burdened by it, we need to help them feel motivated by it, that they have power. They have real power um, to affect change. I, I'm not yet, though, willing to give up on changing the uh, strategies of the Democratic Party. Because, Kavita, I think that if, if we don't get Democratic leadership or House members or Senate or whatever to understand, and it still kind of blows my mind that they don't understand, the threats facing us, then right. we, we have, we're, we're heading into this with an even bigger disadvantage. I agree. And, David, I, it's, it's fair what you said, but I kind of feel like, look, I'm trying to think about, you know, what are we leaving like with the next generation with David? I don't let's look at just who's kind of people who've been running, not even for the big elections, but we need to kind of create, you know, a farm team. And yes, that's younger people. I, I 
agree with all of that. But I think that, Mary, you're touching on something that we have to devote attention to. And if not, I hate to say it, then we need to also same concept of voting with our feet for local elections, bigger elections. We need to vote Democrats who get it. And and if they don't, and I understand, sometimes I feel like we're so, our backs are against the wall. We're just like anybody, anybody, anybody that kind of, you know, a, kind of Joe Manchin, fine, you're a Democrat today. But what we really need to do is refine that. So we can do three, we can do these things at the same time. They're not mutually yeah. exclusive. And right. I do see, a, you said asymmetry, Mary, in the beginning. And I think that's true. And again, I get to be the doctor. You, you're a doctor. We're all, David's an honorary doctor. You, what we need to do, the asymmetry is muscle atrophy. And we're going to yeah. have to like get better yes. at it. And that means we're going to iterate and do stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But all the while developing that muscle for the Democratic Party, for individuals to not feel. Because David, right now, Gen Z, younger people, they can tell us uh, they're not feeling too great about any of this. Like Getting them activated, not an easy task. And we need to figure out how to do it. Um, but I'm not sure if I have the tools to do that. Yeah, well, one way to do it is not to have a bunch of 80-year-old candidates. And, you know, I, you know <laughs> forgive me, but, you know, and with great That's respect. That's my point. <laughs> with, no, with great respect to our 80-year-old candidates, uh, this party needs, you know, a different kind of face and a different right. kind of energy, right? Right. right. And, we need a multi-generational bench. Exactly. Yeah, and and exactly. and and that we've got one because anybody young, you know, the, the vast, you know, polls show the vast majority of young people are are on this team. Um, um, but you know, I I also think it's it's not super useful to lament the deficiencies of you know Joe Biden's communication skills um, because. And, you know, I, I, I do believe he's doing a great job as president. We have to supplement right. what is no, being I agree. done. Yeah, and, I agree. And, 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 and right now, the message, you know, the message, it, it's pretty straightforward. Norm brought it up. I brought it up. Both of you brought it up. More jobs created in the first year of the Biden administration than in the last 16 years of Republican administration. Lower unemployment than ever, um, uh, you know, f- uh, a faster economic growth last year than at any time in multiple decades, 40 years, um, more judges, um, more uh, 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 improving our international standing to a point that was unimaginable in the past 20 years. Um, you know, reestablishing U.S. leadership in the world, doing something about climate, getting America back into international institutions. Whatever the issue is, there is a positive story. Healthcare, mm-hmm. lifting children out of hunger. Um, you know, we, the, these, these facts are there. And I think one of the things that everybody who's listening needs to do is understand the five or ten points that they want to make. And get out and make those points, because if if you know, if you don't think the higher ups aren't making, make it at your dinner table, make it at your PTA meeting, mm-hmm. make it down the street, make it on Twitter, make it on Facebook. We all have platforms. You know, it's it's possible to go and post something now on Twitter, and have a million impressions, to make more impressions with a Twitter post than you could have with a New York Times op-ed. And everybody has free access to that. Yeah. Uh, the 
fact also, I think making this um, local is, is crucially important. Talking to people, understanding that at least in 2022, we're focused on local issues and not, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of of two minds about this. Um, sometimes I feel like we should go right at uh, Republicans and help people understand how bad they are. Sometimes I think that backfires because how do you fight an enemy that has no, no soul? Basically they lie without, with without compunction. They, they don't care about human beings. They're willing to compare a brilliant nominee to the Supreme court to a pro-Nazi lawyer at Nuremberg. These people have no shame. They can't be ashamed. Uh, So I I think sometimes that maybe it is just best to focus on the positive. But then, Kavita, I worry that um, that sort of lets Republicans off the hook, too. Yeah, I agree. I I completely agree. And the reason I'm... Look, I don't think there's any one way to do any of this, but I think it's just helping people who are watching, just having like kind of the framework for, okay, here's where I fit into it. And I completely agree. There is, a, it's clearly not current congressional leaders or most political leaders. They're not calling out the Republicans, but I think that's what, David, you're saying the same thing too, that we just need to call it out. Racism, like, you know, homophobia. I mean, I'm watching What's happening now, Barry, two things that should disturb everybody. We're medicating from the bench. What we've seen in COVID is that it doesn't matter what any amount of experts think or science tells you, a judge can, you know, basically a judge yes. appointed by Donald Trump can force people to get a certain medication. And that doesn't edu- work. <laughs> and, and we're educating, not even from the bench, we're educating from ignorance now. And, and that should trouble, It's it should trouble all of us to whether we fit into changing the way we talk about the Democratic Party's strategy or how we take on like kind of individual neighbor to neighbor, that should all be in our head. And and David, I I agree with you. We're not trying to say what Biden has done. I know Norm made a comment about Build Back Better. Nobody understands it. It's to do what you say, to supplement it and actually to just bring it, take away Biden from it and, and actually for a moment, just talk about what is and then realize that that's the connection. Like you think this would have happened if the Biden administration wasn't today here also use use the low-hanging fruit right right on right. thursday the first black woman in american history is, is going to be appointed, you know confirmed for the supreme court right um uh, that is a huge deal that is going to resonate with a lot of people it is a transformational moment in america's blighted mm-hmm. racial past um uh, but you know what's going to happen later this year despite that roe v wade is going to go away yeah. That's right. And that is going to be a transformational moment in the lives of a lot of people in America, not just women. And that yeah. could be um, galvanizing. It could mobilize people as they realize that the Republican Party is carving away at their right. Yeah. Use yeah. it, you know, recognize what's going on here. When when Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo and Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. and um, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and the others stand up and say, Vladimir Putin's not so bad. And then on television, you see the images for Bucha. You see what is going on in Ukraine. You realize that they are attacking democracy around the world. Um, then, you know, use it. 
you know, the, the tools are all there and, <laughs> and, and a lot of them are lightning rods that could really mobilize people if we jump on it. Right. Yeah. Um, I could literally talk to you forever. I don't, I don't know if you realize that when I invited you here, I meant that you have to come every week. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I wish you could, but I know you won't. Um, but uh, this is, there's really nothing more important than, than what happens in the next few months. Um, and again, I can't think of three people I'd rather talk to about it. So um, Kavita Patel, David Rothkopf, um, thank you both. Thank you to Norm Ornstein. Uh, it has been terrifying, maddening, but always a joy, honestly, it, despite what everything else that's going on to talk to both of you. I so appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you'll be back soon. Count on it. So you're, you're doing great work. You're yes, really it starts here. Mary, you doing this one person. Well, you guys were doing it first. So you're, uh, you both inspired David, me David tremendously. So <laughs> thank you for that. And uh, stay safe because it's still crazy out there. Yeah. And uh, we will, again, hopefully see you back soon and uh, keep coming up with actionable items that that are that will keep getting the ball down the field uh, in a way well, it has. You know, I, th I think you've got an opportunity here because if you schedule these for dinner time every week and I miss one meal, that's a good thing. And I'm willing to go on the Mary <laughs> Trump diet. Hey, post-COVID, any little bit. We could all yeah, use right, a little. Exactly, right. exactly. How about I'll do it. three shows a day? I love it. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank bye you. bye. Take care. Thank you so much to my incredible guests, Dr. Kavita Patel, formerly of the Obama administration, currently an MSNBC, uh, MSNBC contributor and uh, also at the Brookings Institute. David Rothkopf, a contributor to the Daily Beast and USA Today, also host of the essential podcast, Deep State Radio, and Norm Ornstein, a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, all just phenomenal intellects, people who love this country and and want what's best for all of us and people I'm also incredibly proud to call my friends. So uh, they kind of set the bar really high. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to keep building on this every Tuesday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, 4 o'clock Pacific time. The strategy session episode of the Mary Trump show will live stream on YouTube. So that just go to youtube.com slash Politicon and that will get you here. Also, please uh, follow Politicon on Twitter, like the episodes and subscribe. There's a there's a bell on the um, YouTube page right there. Just click on that, and that way, every single time a new show drops, you will be notified. You can also, of course, listen to the show in podcast form on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, except Spotify. Uh, so that's it for this week. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you to all of you who listened and for all of your great comments during the show. And... Uh, We'll see you Thursday. 
live streaming again. That's youtube.com slash Politicon. It's coming Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. Thanks again and stay safe.